Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. We are in the middle of a series called New Year, New You, and we're doing this series because as a new year kicks off, people look to put new routines, new memberships, new products into practice to make this year a better version of themselves. And so what we're doing as a church is we're looking at how God has made us new. It's a new year, new you, because God has made you new. And we're looking at what that all means. We started uh, our first week by looking at Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, purchased from sin, death, and the devil. We are free. Last week we looked at uh, how we are blessed. How at the end of this year, no matter what happens between now and then, we can say, I am blessed, not because of our circumstances, but because of our Savior Jesus and what he has done for us. We could mourn the entire year and we would still be blessed because our Savior Jesus would come and comfort us with the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. We could admit that we're poor in spirit, we're spiritually poor, we're bankrupt, and Jesus says, here, here's my righteousness for you. We are blessed regardless of our circumstances. Today, uh, we're going to look at a new year, new you, in a little different light. We're going to look at who we want to be this year and what we're going to do. As we start new, a new year, people think of what they want to be this year and what they want to do. Maybe you want to be uh, the, the best student and, and have a, a top GPA. That's what you want to be. So what do you have to do? You have to study and work hard. Maybe you want to be the top salesman. You're going to have to get out and hustle. Maybe you want to be an adventurer this year and experience all that this world has to offer. Well, then you have to travel. That's who you want to be. That's what you have to do. And as we start New Year, New You, isn't it right and appropriate for those who have been redeemed by the Lamb that we listen to Jesus and we hear what he has to say about who we are and what he wants us to do this year? We're going to look at that this morning as we look at Matthew chapter 5. We continue in the Sermon on the Mount that we started last week. Uh, if you weren't here, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is one of Jesus' first sermons. Um, it's the longest that's recorded in Scripture, five, six, and seven, uh, the 5, 6, and 7th chapter of Matthew. Jesus is up on the Mount, it's early in his ministry, and he calls his disciples to himself, and he preaches to them. And last week we looked at the Beatitudes, the the blessed are the poor in spirit, that whole introduction. Today we continue in it and we hear who Jesus says we are and what we are to do with our lives. Here's what we're told. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's stop right there. Notice what Jesus says. You are salt. You are light. He doesn't say you ought to be. He doesn't say you should strive to be. He doesn't say work hard to be. He says this is who you are. You are salt and you are light. And unless if you're familiar with Matthew chapter 5, you've never been called that before, I'm guessing. I'm guessing many of you haven't been, someone hasn't said to you, hey, you're salt. I don't know if they still say this, but back when I was in high school, beginning of college, they used to say, you're salty. I'm still not really sure what that meant. I'm sure I used it, but I had no idea what the context was. <laughs> but you are salt, Jesus says. You are light. This is who Jesus says that you and I are. By the very nature of being a Christian, from the moment that the Holy Spirit created faith in Jesus as our Savior, our nature has changed, and we are now Christians. We believe in Jesus as our Savior. And from that moment, Jesus says, you are salt, and you are light. What does that mean? Well, let's take both of them in order. So, salt. We use salt as flavoring. I flavored my popcorn last night with salt. We flavor burgers and, and steak. We use salt as a flavoring. In Jesus' day, it was used as a preservative. No fridges, no refrigerators, no freezers. How do you preserve food that you want to keep? Salt. And it preserves it. They put salt on the food, and the salt went in and prevented breakdown, it prevented decay, and it prevented corruption. All of those things, things, all the molecules and particles in there that would cause the breakdown and decay, the salt goes in and prevents it from happening. It's a preservative. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. As we consider the Christian life, your first point today is the Christian life is an attracted life. Attracted to what? The breakdown to go in and prevent breakdown, prevent decay, prevent corruption, and preserve the people. What does this look like? When someone is breaking down emotionally, a Christian doesn't run from it. A Christian goes in to the breakdown to prevent the breakdown. Not with well wishes, not with I hope you feel better, but we go in and, and prevent the breakdown because we have the promises of God's word. The promises that we have a Father in heaven who knows what we need. The promises that God is a God of justice. The promises that God loves us and cares for us and takes care of us. We go in with the promises of God and wrap them around that person's heart. When someone's breaking down financially, Christians are attracted to it. We go in and prevent the breakdown. Motivated by the generosity of our God, the generosity that he has for us, we go in and we are generous to help the person financially speaking. When we have friends, family, who don't know our Savior Jesus, what do we do? We go in and we influence. We don't run from them. We go in and we influence through godly living by spreading the message of Jesus. As a city, as a town, becomes less and less Christian and there's breakdown more, uh, 
in morality, breakdown in the spiritual life, and it's decaying and corrupting. We go in and we curb immorality through godly living. We go in, we spread the message of Jesus, preventing the breakdown and preserving the town, preserving the people. This is what it means to be the salt of the earth. We're preservative, and we preserve this world from the breakdown of corruption, decay, spiritually speaking. And we do it by bringing the promises of the word of God. What happens if we don't do that? What happens if we're not preserving and being salt in this world? Well, what happens if you leave food out on your counter? You give it a day or two, and that food is breaking down, decaying, becoming moldy, and it's becoming corrupt. And then what do you have to do with the food? You have to throw it out, otherwise it's going to hurt you and your family. What does God have to do if this world breaks down, becomes so decayed and corrupted? He has to throw it out. Two examples from Scripture. Noah and the flood. The people had become so corrupted, they decayed so uh, rapidly, morally speaking, spiritually speaking, they become so corrupted, what did God do? He brought the flood because there was only eight people left by the time of the flood that held on to the gospel promise. The corruption and the decay threatened the gospel promise. Flip forward to Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. Before God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, what does he do? He tells Abraham uh, that he's going to destroy it, and Abraham says, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people, won't you spare the city? And God says, for 50 righteous people, if there are 50 righteous people there, the city will be preserved. And Abraham kept going down and down and down until if there's 10, and God said, if there's 10 people who believe in me, I'll spare the city. But there wasn't. And so to prevent the harm to his people, he threw it out. We are the salt of the earth. We preserve this world from the corruption, the breakdown, decay, and corruption. Where in your life is someone breaking down? Where do you see the breakdown? And we need to be salt to go in and be salty and prevent the breakdown with the promises of God. That's who we are. We are salt, a preservative in this world. But we're also light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. What does light do? Scatters the darkness. And no matter who you are, you're attracted to the light. Uh, right before Christmas, we had a, a cold spell. And for those of you who are not from Texas, it was like 30 degrees. <laughs> but it was cold. That's cold down here. And uh, a transformer blew in my community, and my lights went out. Our electricity went out. It was around midnight. And my daughters both sleep with a sound machine, and those sound machines have night lights in them. And guess what happened when the electricity went out? So did their sound machines, and so did the light. And my four-year-old daughter, Lily, cried 
and I heard her crying, and so I grabbed my phone, turned on my flashlight, ran into her bedroom, and immediately as she saw that light, she was on my leg. <laughs> One, she wanted her dad because she was scared, but two, I had the light that scattered the darkness so she could see. No matter who you are, you're attracted to light. If, there's, if you're walking at night and you have the option of walking down a darkened street or one that's completely lit, you'd walk down the completely lit one because we're attracted to light. Jesus says you are the light of the world. The Christian life not only is attracted, it's attractive, and that's your second point. The Christian life is an attractive life. It shines in the darkness of this world. This world is filled with the darkness of sin, the darkness of selfishness, the darkness of rude comments and unloving words, the darkness of viewing people as commodities and objects, the darkness of death. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Shine the light of Jesus into this world. And instead of participating in the darkness, we get to shine the light of selflessness into this world. Instead of the darkness of rude comments and unloving words, we get to shine the light of love in this world. Instead of viewing people as commodities and objects, we get to, to show the love of Jesus that these are people, everyone, they are people that our Savior Jesus died for. They're a soul. And we get to treat them with respect and dignity and honor, just like our Savior treats us with the same love and respect. As this world is in the darkness of death, we get to shine the light of hope because we are people who know the resurrection of the dead. We are the light of the world. And we get to shine in the light, or in this world of darkness. As we think about who we are, who we want to be this year, and what we want to do, Jesus doesn't say, it would be great if this was one of the options. He doesn't say, it'd be great if you were this at some points in your life. It'd be great if you could put this hat on occasionally. No, he says, this is who you are. This is who you are, and this is what we do, because we are Christians. We are salt, and we are light. And so how salty have you been, and how, how much light have you been showing? Do you typically run toward the breakdown, or are you running away? When someone's going through a tough time, do you go in, or do you say, I hope you do better, but I don't really want to get messy? Jesus says we are salt. But notice there's a warning. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything anymore. Except to do what? To be thrown out and be trampled by men. If we aren't being salt, what's the solution? Or what's the problem? It's not an effort thing. It's a heart. Because when we know our Savior Jesus, when we know who he is and what he's done for us, we want to be of salt because that's who he's made us to be. How much light have you been showing? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. It would defeat the purpose. That light would be useless. Are you shining your light? Or when people look at you, do they see the darkness that's around them? Do you only show the light occasionally when it's convenient for you? Or do you live your light and let your light shine at all times? If someone is concealing their light, it's one of two problems. One, they're afraid. Or two, it's an abuse of God's grace. I know Jesus loves me and forgives me, so I'm going to live in the darkness right now because I want to, and he'll forgive me. Jesus says, if, a, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. It's useless. This is convicting. I know it because I've been working through this all week, and looking at my own life. And it's convicting. And so where do we turn? And you expect me to say Jesus, and I'm going to say Jesus. But look what Jesus says. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Uh Uh-oh. We turn to Jesus, and what does he say? I haven't come to lower the bar for you. I haven't come to lower the expectations that God has for your life. God's demands are perfection. And Jesus says, I didn't come to to abolish them and get rid of these laws. The standard is, for God, perfect saltiness, perfect light shining. But then Jesus says this, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Praise God. Praise God. He doesn't lower his bar. Instead, what does he do? He sends his one and only son to do what? To fulfill the law on our behalf. To fulfill God's expectations. To come and live the righteous life that God wants us to live. He came to this world and he preserved it. Think about it. Jesus is in heaven. He's God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made. He's, he's eternal. And he sees this world breaking down. And what does he do? He doesn't stay up in heaven. He runs to it. To do what? To be salt. To prevent the breakdown. How? By coming and spreading the word of God. By coming and living perfectly. Keeping God's law perfectly to a T. Not abolishing it, but fulfilling it. Not so that he's your role model, Not so that you have the perfect example to live up to, but he did it for you. So that when God looks at you, you have a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees. You have a righteousness that surpasses the most moral person. You have the righteousness of Jesus as your own. I compare it like this sometimes, and I'm sure I've used this before, so just go along with me if if you already heard this. Uh, Imagine you're back in school. And you, you have a test. This is how I picture what Jesus has done for us, righteously speaking. I imagine that I'm sitting behind Jesus. Yes, I'm the one who gets to sit by him, and behind him in my, uh, in my imagination here. I'm sitting behind Jesus, and we have a test. And uh, I've completely failed the test. I haven't got one right. And I hand my paper in, my test up, and we're handing it to the front. 
and I hand it to, to Jesus, and Jesus looks at it, and he shakes his head and says, oh boy. And he looks at his test, his perfect test, not one wrong. And then he looks back at mine, and he erases his name from his test, and he puts my name there. And then he takes my test, and he erases my name and puts his there. And then he hands it forward. I get the credit for his A+, and he takes my F. That's what Jesus has done for you and me. You see, he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come to wipe out the test. He came to fulfill it, to complete it, to get 100% on the test, and then he gave you the credit for it. And then he took your failures, my failures, my sin, and he paid for it. He took responsibility for it. And he says, Father, don't throw them out to be trampled by men. Throw me out to be trampled by men. Father, don't snuff out their light, but snuff out my light. And that's exactly what happened to your Savior, Jesus. He was thrown out, trampled by men, taken to the cross, where his, the light of his life was snuffed out. Why? So yours never will. You see, Jesus not only fulfills all righteousness, he paid for all of your sins at the cross so that you stand in forgiveness and in righteousness before your God. You are preserved by the light of the world. And that's your last point. The Christian life is preserved by the light. As we walk with Jesus this new year, and we sit with him, and we listen to him, the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your heart. The Holy Spirit's going to bring change. As we grow in the message of our Savior Jesus and what he's done for us, we're going to change to want to be salt. We're going to want to live it out because look at what my God has done for me. Look at my Savior. As we grow closer to Jesus, the Holy Spirit brings about change in our heart where we want to let our light shine, not just when it's convenient, not just when I'm, when I'm surrounded by other Christians, but at all times. We're going to want to let our light shine even amongst Christians when we feel it's a safe place. We're going to want to let our light shine because look at the light of my Savior Jesus and what he's done for me. He has scattered the sin from my life. He's taken my sin to the cross. He's fulfilled all righteousness for me. And then do you know what we do? We go and be salt and light. But the motivation has changed. No longer is it fear-based. No longer is it guilt no longer is it because God demands it. It's because I want to do it because look at what my Savior has done. I'm free from trying to be perfect and I get to live a life of joyful uh, living for my Savior Jesus. I go and be salt and I go and be light. I let my light shine so that others may see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. May God be with you as you be salt and light in this world. Let's pray. Savior Jesus, we praise and thank you uh, that you preserve our Christian life. Uh, you are the light of the world and you came to scatter the, the darkness of sin and death from our hearts. And you've done that uh, through your life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Uh, we thank you that 
uh, you continue to forgive us again and again. As we walk with you this year, uh, let us grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us grow uh, in what you've done for us. And as we do, send your Holy Spirit to bring change to our hearts, uh, uh, so that we're no longer living for you out of fear, but out of joy. Let us continue to grow and let us be salt and light in this world, pointing others uh, to you, their Savior, our Savior. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.